Welcome to Elixir Outlaws, the hallway track of the Elixir community. Today, we have some special guests on the podcast. I'll let everybody go around and introduce themselves. We're going to work our way up in temperature from from cold to warmer. Um, so I think, uh, Christian, you, you might be first then. Yeah, probably. Hi, everybody. My name is Christian Cook. I'm a senior software engineer with cars.com. All right. And I'm, I'm just going to go out on a limb and assume that, that Angel, you are the next warmer it's 20 degrees so that might might be accurate Ooh, yeah <laughs> so hey everyone uh my name is angel jose i'm an engineering manager at cars.com in the denver area and i'm saving the most comfortable person in the warmest climate for last <laughs> stephanie would you introduce yourself it's 63 here in balmy atlanta uh, my name is stephanie lane and i'm also a senior engineer at cars.com welcome Welcome to the podcast, everybody. So, if ever, I don't know if anybody noticed this, but all of our guests today are from cars.com. I've met a few of you at conferences, and I would like to hear. I So, my understanding is that cars started out in a different language on a different platform. And so, I would be really interested in like that transition, how, how did you transition? Why did you transition and how you feel about it since then? And Angel assured me, Stephanie, that you've, you've been here from the very beginning of all of that. So she, she wrote um, everything. Yeah. She wrote it all. Perfect. <laughs> we just put oh, her PRs and that that's all we really do. No, 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 no. <laughs> well, I don't think any of us actually worked with cars, the cars tech stack before it was an Elixir tech stack. Did we? No, I think we all got hired so. around the same time, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it's Stephanie first, then Christian, then then me at the end too. Yeah, but That's early enough, I guess. So before Elixir, cars had a tech stack. Who knows what it was? <laughs> <laughs> it's not important. <laughs> what was it? There was a, like a lot of Java sprinkled in, a lot, a lot of, of like enterprisey tech platforms, a couple Oracle contracts to, you know, sprinkle around our tech stack. So, so was it like a, a complete, you just started out and made a new product or did you try to piecemeal make services and pull that over? You can't hear nods, but yes, we just started out in the product. <laughs> <laughs> the power of radio. Shiny, shiny new product. So if you all came afterwards, do you know why they wanted to make the switch? Oh, perfect. <laughs> I, think, I think everyone's trying to be polite and let the next person go. I mean, I think it was an accumulation of tech debt was the big the big thing. We had a largely unmaintainable stack that had accumulated over the roughly 20 years that cars.com was cars.com and on the internet and doing all the internet things. And it just wasn't very, it wasn't maintainable like many like any technology that's 20 years old there are so many accumulated bits of secret buttons and undocumented APIs and and services and no nobody knew what they did anymore that you know you can't even piecemeal that you know the the project to piecemeal that runs into um something it runs into you know organizational or some kind of inertia that <clears throat> makes it impossible to change that piecemeal. So I think really the only way forward was to burn it to the ground and start new in Elixir. 
Yeah, 20 years old in Java too. I'm sure it was filled with XML configuration files all over the place. All maybe, over maybe the place. Maybe struts. Hidden <laughs> yeah. services that you know were running in the background and, and that, that one report for that one team that mm -hmm. was just on autopilot and someone forgot about years ago. But <laughs> that, they still use that one report that then they feed off into their you know spreadsheet formula and it does the thing. So a, a lot of a lot of hidden stuff like that. So now, how long has Cars.com been using Elixir then? Four years, I think. Project started four years ago. Yeah, I think the project started close to four years ago. The, the initial commit is probably somewhere around there. Yeah. Uh, live in production, is it? are we getting to the two-year mark now? We're coming up to two years in June, mm -hmm. yeah. So it's, it's like a little more than two years to get the project moved over and ready for prime time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it wasn't scheduled for that long at first, but as we dug in there and I came in, we used to work off of cycles, so like six-week cycles. I got hired, I think, around cycle six, so I don't know, I'm, my brain's not going to do math, but six times six, whatever whatever that is. Uh, that, that's how many weeks after I came in. Uh, no, cycle five, maybe. And at that point, I think there was a realization already that yeah, we're not going to get all this work done in the original budgeted amount of time. It was just a lot more. Like like I said, there was a lot of like things that were known and that was budgeted for. And there was a lot of things that were unknown about, you know, this one team that relied on this one service or that this one thing is very important to this one team. So we can't, we have to also bring it over. And there was a lot of those type of issues that just started expanding the, the timeline. And then COVID pandemic hit right around that oh, time. yeah. Yeah, so that delayed some stuff too. And you're all over. Is was before COVID? Was cars in one place, or was is it remote already? We had some remote, but our main office was in Chicago. So a lot of people co-worked, and so that was probably a big challenge there too. Figuring for out me, it made it nicer when everyone ended up being <laughs> remote. Yeah, <laughs> because like Christian and Stephanie were in office already. Like they they were local to the area. But I, I got hired remote from, from the get-go. So there was some challenges with that because we had like an in-office culture and then we had like a couple remote people sprinkled. And it's the company was already heading in that direction anyway, at least with engineering. But we just mm -hmm. didn't have like the practices for it. So when everyone went remote, it was like, oh, okay. Now, now we, we can communicate because we have to communicate on Slack. Nobody's water cooling it and not letting everybody else know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised when, when we went, I mean, we were already remote, but when like everyone got free to move wherever they want, how many people moved? Like we had whole swaths of the engineering team just took off and relocated to some other part of the country. Oh yeah, that's what I did. Real surprising to see. Yeah. Stephanie. Yeah. <laughs> Stephanie moved from snowy Chicago <laughs> to springtime Atlanta. <laughs> I'm done with you, Windy City. Yeah. So cold. <laughs> Oh man, my wife loves Chicago, especially in the wintertime. She's like, "Oh, it's let's go, let's go up north, let's go to Chicago and go shopping for Christmas." And I'm like, "Let's, let's Ooh. not." I think you can drive to Texas too. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, thank you. No, I was just thinking, like, yeah, Chicago winters. I grew up in LA and I lived in LA most of my life, and I moved to Denver like right around the time I got hired at Cars, and so Denver was really my first winter, winterish experience, and. Uh, 
it was 30, I remember this clearly because I was very naive. It was 32 degrees in Denver and I was supposed to fly out to Chicago for like a cars retreat, meeting me type thing. And I had just moved to Denver, experiencing 32 degrees. I'm like, oh, 32 degrees. Yeah, of course. It's 32 in Chicago also. I, I, I will. I am ready for this. I know what to wear. And then I got to Chicago and my face was just like burning because it was frozen <laughs> for the humidity. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's a different, different type of winter. Okay. So where'd you live in LA? I live right in Echo Park, which is by where Dodger Stadium is, mm-hmm. off, like two, two and a half miles off of downtown. I went to junior high and was back and forth out there. I had family there. Oh, really? And I, I went to Downey and Long Beach. Yeah, I know Downey. Is where, where I grew up most of the time. Nice. Yeah, I but, know both of those years. I have friends out there. Yeah. Man, I do not miss the traffic <laughs> at all, especially <laughs> after I moved here into Kansas City. And like, I was a little afraid because our house before we moved here was nine acres in the middle of the woods. And then we moved to Kansas City and I thought, uh, if I have to drive anywhere, it's going to take forever. And then I, and I got here, I'm like, oh, no, that's just LA. That's an LA problem. <laughs> <laughs> Completely. It is definitely an LA problem. Stephanie, what's been like the, mm, oh, I was going to go with nice things, but what's been the hardest thing about building a product in Elixir? I think I came from a Ruby background and thinking about how processes run concurrently was something that took me a long time to get my head around. And especially something like at cars, we do a lot of ingestion of big files, a lot of data to make sure we get cars on the site, pictures on the site, different links on the site, et cetera. So being able to run that in a way that is efficient and fast, pretty cool. Um, So I think like in the old platform, uh, previous to Elixir, it took about uh, a significant period of time to get pictures on the site. And now we can get them on the site within 15 minutes, which is pretty good. Uh, A good improvement. So, yeah. Yeah, it was hours before, like six to 12 hours hours sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Easily. So it's not like we got a little bit faster. We got a whole lot faster. Exponentially, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so I'm I'm just trying to I'm picturing I'm picturing pictures. Okay. How many pictures are we talking about that like this has taken minutes to do, let alone hours? Like what how's that how's that work? Can can you tell me? Is it allowed? <laughs> I'll ask Angel. <laughs> I'll allow it. Okay. (laughs) So I think we get a file that's what five gigs six times a day that we have to go through and call an API to get photos and then save them and push them over to our site. It's a significant amount every day to update and make sure they're they're updated on the site. So so you get your pictures from an external API. It's not somebody uploads something and it takes minutes to process. Okay. Okay. I think it helps to contextualize. Like most of the stuff that Cars does, it has like, it's for a, a group of dealerships, right? Like, so they're not just, it's not your mom and pop that are updating like, you know, one, two pictures for like a brand new car they're listing. It's like a dealership updating, a dealership updating all their inventory. And here's like this huge file with all the pictures for like our different locations. And you're gonna go through that file and process them 
And so they, they'll just send you links, like URL links, and we're going to go and grab those, store them, tag them, hopefully not double copy them, like a bunch of little background things. And then finally, we get pictures of cars on the internet. Are you, so is, is it a scheduled task? Like it happened, so it's it's kind of on demand. Are you using like just tasks and things like that, or are you using Oban, or how are you how are you handling this? We use a lot of uh, Broadway consumers and Oban shops. Um, a lot of Broadway consumers with SQS um, to send individual messages to make sure we're uploading and processing messages, um, and then the Oban jobs make sure we. Uh, I think when we when a file drops to us, then we send out an open job to start processing that file. How has the uh, the Broadway experience been? I think it's been great for us. We use it everywhere, but I'll let Christian answer too. It, yeah, I don't know. It's a learning curve. Like I don't. Yeah, as much as we use it, I don't feel like I have a good grasp of Broadway and and all the things that it's doing. I think there's there's a fair amount of of scaffolding that's kind of hidden under the hood. And, you know, a lot of things happen when you, when you, when you invoke a Broadway. <laughs> we summon a Broadway. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, Every I, library is just called summon. Type the magical <laughs> incantation into my keyboard to make the Broadway appear. Exactly. <laughs> now I'm picturing is my son and his Magic the Gathering cards and him being like, I'm going to counterspell you. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> of which my lunch table over here is completely covered in his magic cards right now. So I bet I could go over there and find a counter spell if I look. We can stop your Broadway from showing up. <laughs> you should make him a Broadway card. Yeah. <laughs> he makes custom cards all the time. He's got one where he, he like he came up to me one day and he said, hey, I want to take a picture of, of you, but I want you to act like a zombie or something. So I did this like uh, – and it's probably because of how pale I am that he thought this was funny because <laughs> um, he like immediately tans if he steps outside for 10 seconds. He looks like a surfer. And so I, I like do this like horrible picture and then like a couple days later he shows up and he shows me this magic card with my face on it. He's like, here you go. Now you have your own magic card. Like, that is, and he made it more pale. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. It's he uses it as a token to, um, so he, they have cards that will create other creatures, and it's a two-two zombie token. So it has no special abilities, and looks like a super pale programmer who can't keep his eyes open all the way. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, children, children. <laughs> He's 17 now, though. He just got his first job, so that's cool. Oh. Now suddenly he's realizing what work is, I think. So we'll see. And <laughs> that it doesn't pay enough. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> he's still in training at a gas station. So, but mm -hmm. uh, a nice, I would call it a nice gas station. It's the one that I stop at if we're traveling and, and we need to stop because I know it's going to be clean. There's going to be lots of people in there and lots of lights. It's really bright. So he's working at uh, Quick Trip. I don't know if you have Quick Trip. We do, yeah. 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 So they're usually pretty nice. So that's where he's working. And they have really strict requirements. So that was kind of neat. I went in there the other day and his trainer like stopped me and was like, are you 
You know his dad? And I said, yeah, why? He's like, he knows he's doing really well. He just has one thing that he has to do before he gets out of training. And I was like, what is that? And he's like, he has to be able to like change all of the coffee and everything and the roller grill in less than a half hour. And I was like, what happens if he doesn't? And they're like, well, then when his training period's over at the end of this week, he just doesn't get to come back. I was like, whoa. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this is a great first job. <laughs> Learn to work hard. Uh, all right. So anyway, gas stations, Broadway, kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's all connected. This is just how this show goes. I can't. It's probably my ADD. I don't know. I can't keep up with it. <laughs> so we had a little, Stephanie, you had a little bit of learning. You came from Ruby. Christian, what did you do before Elixir? Well, before Cars, I was also doing Elixir. I was doing Elixir and Ruby at a different company. So I had a, a medium amount of experience with Elixir coming in. Um, but I think working at Car with the the replatforming we did, it was a good opportunity to, you know, formalize that and, you know, learn those production techniques that you need when you're writing code and you want it to be, to be sure it doesn't just work, you know, that it works all the time or most of the time at least. I don't know, for me, I think coming from, you know, object-oriented, learning that that functional paradigm is, that was the big one. That was the hard thing is it's not really about like calling methods on classes that do the, the widget thing. It's more, you know, you've got the data and the data transforms and it changes shape and goes to the next thing that changes the shape a little bit more. And then it keeps moving through, moving through the system until pictures of cars on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> and with all the, all the dealerships and stuff, it sounds like you have some scalability and data constraints that are pretty massive. How's, has there been any um, elixir and anger happening where you had to dig into any of that stuff? Oh, oh Angel. So I see much. it in Angel's so face. Much. Like, yeah, there is. <laughs> I'm looking at Stephanie. Oh, is there a story here? There is a very recent story here. There's a yesterday story. Oh, oh no. <laughs> there's, a, there's an unfolding story as, as we are recording this. <laughs> is it okay to share? Yeah. See, this is why don't bring your manager to a podcast because <laughs> I feel like everyone's just staring at me. Like I do. I'm like, can I? <laughs> Angel gives me the green light. <laughs> it, hey, look, if we say anything on here and you're like, we shouldn't have said that, let me know. We'll We'll make sure we get it cut out. And I'll send you. Cover my ear also. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Earmuffs. Earmuffs, Angel. <laughs> so yesterday's fun discovery is that we have some processes that we do overnight that have to happen within a certain amount of time. And they are unbounded amount of things that can happen. The files that we need to prepare and send out to others with requirements, contract requirements and everything. And they can have an unbounded amount with a couple million rows each, they're CSDs. And they have to go out every day. And so we have been having some out of memory issues that happen every night, and we've been trying to figure out what's been causing it. So we finally figured it out yesterday. We thought, so we're using Flow, and we thought there was an issue in Flow. We're partitioning everything that we didn't have to do. It turns out we don't have to use Flow at all. We can just use task async. The back pressure that we thought we were getting 
we weren't using <laughs> in a way that we thought we were. But the memory leak was when we had a flow that wasn't materialized yet, and we were calling an enum take 10 on the unrealized flow for a preview for a view. And that enum take would realize the flow, which could be up to a million something rows, put that in memory. And that's what was causing our OM issues. Take 10, just for 10. Just for 10. Yeah. So how did you find it? A lot of <laughs> discussion with Dashbit <laughs> um, oh, yeah. when we thought we had some flow issues. And then when we were switching everything over to task async, we were still seeing some issues. So what we saw was there was still some gen stage processes that were outliving the flow, which should be just shut down. And that's what would cause a stair step in memory. So a lot of observer and testing <laughs> to see what we could cut out this. Like, do we still see the stair step? We cut out this. Do we still see the stair step of memory? And then also looking at like how the binaries are being collected at the end mm -hmm. was very helpful. That's how we figured that out yesterday. Did you have to do anything with the binaries at the end or? or No. Luckily, they were they were being garbage collected correctly. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you end up doing the preview if you if you couldn't do the take 10 on the flow? What did you do instead? Uh, if you just do a stream dot take, it lazily <laughs> evaluates just 10. <laughs> oh. Instead of realizing the entire flow. Yeah, I was since flow was parallel I, and you were doing that, I was thinking like it wouldn't have to realize the whole thing mentally. That, you would you would think. Yeah. That's what we thought too. <laughs> I feel like that's a common misconception. Like when you have yeah. stream, you think, oh, I can just do this enum thing on the stream and it'll be mm -hmm. fine. And probably it will be. But you're also, you're taking this, you know, stream up a function which represents the data that could be an enumerable and baking it into a, a real enumerable at that instant. Yeah. Oh, so you just replaced the enum take with a string take? With a stream take, yeah. And it fixed it. Not, you we didn't were, replace flow with a stream. No, we're going to replace okay. it with task async stream because we don't need flow at this point. We're not using the back pressure. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the flow was not the issue. It was us realizing the flow twice. <laughs> but also the flow is kind of an issue. Yes. Not not itself. Like the library is fine, mm -hmm. but much like Broadway, flow hides so much scaffolding. Like there is when you invoke the incantation for flow, so much stuff happens in the background and all of those things are not really clear unless you start madly introspecting and aggressively observing and like getting into all the the Erlang and Anger tooling to like look at look at what's happening in in process land to understand all the things that have that have been invoked with flow. So like flow is a fine tool and it does back it abstracts away the the gen stage stuff really, really well. But it's a lot and sometimes you don't need a lot. Sometimes you just need well, little dab, little dab will do you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the uh, you said the Erlang and Anger tooling. I know that book talks a lot about recon. Did you use recon? Didn't in this case, I don't think. But we we have before for other issues. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's such a beautiful library. It is so nice. Great. I mean, I mean, so kind of most things Fred 
does. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm going to be a Fred <laughs> fanboy for a moment. Um, so what what did you use Recon for? Like, I'm I'm really curious, but I just gave a talk uh, at Omaha Elixir a week ago, two weeks ago, and I talked about Recon Trace, and then was like, but you should look at all these other Recon tools. But like, what what did you use Recon for? Do you remember, Christian? We use LiveView on the site, and we've had an issue with a similar kind of, I think, CPU leak, where we would see processes that weren't ending and they were maintaining a pretty big state for like longer than we would expect. So we were really trying to understand what was happening uh, within the running application to as to why we had more processes than we expected, like an order of magnitude more than we expected and why they continue to be persistent. And there were there were several answers to this with some things we, we were doing not ideally with LiveView, but Recon was basically the tool we had, we were, that let us look at what was happening on the production machines and understand, at least at a high level, kind of where, where a lot of these processes were going. How did were you using Trace or or what what parts of Recon were useful there? If I recall, it was more of the static introspection. So I wasn't like tracing the things that were actually happening. I was introspecting using Recon to introspect the processes and look at like what's in the state and how big is the state that this process is actually holding on to, and and also like what is a process that maybe is related to this web this live view request somewhere on the somewhere in the call chain that I might be able to look into. Nice. Man, now I, I got to play with it some more. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just, I excited about like recon every time I hear somebody using it because yeah. I just don't hear it that often. But um, also I think like it's recon is definitely the thing where you don't need it until you need it. Right. Mm-hmm. But when you need it, it's super useful. And also, you should probably just go on your production. Like, This is maybe my caveat advice here. You should go <laughs> on your production machine and start poking it more often. Yeah. Because you need to do that when things aren't on fire, so you know what it looks like when things are on fire. I think... I think that's that's what maybe I personally don't do enough is we should is try to try to practice with recon when there's less urgency about getting the results out of it. When you have some room to, to actually right. like fully understand <laughs> instead of just hurry up and read. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and my big thing is if you don't have recon on your system, just go ahead and put it there and deploy it with it. You never have to use it. But whenever you want yeah. to, you don't have to try to do a redeploy. Or when it is falling down, you don't have to like redo everything and then check it mm-hmm. out. So, mm-hmm. yeah, just put it out there. <laughs> That's the tip for the day. I think, you know, like, yeah, we don't have to go any further. Now we just get to talk about random life stuff because we just gave everybody <laughs> gold. <laughs> right Add there. recon to your app, deploy that, and forget about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Poke at it while, while things are not on fire. While mm-hmm. things are not on fire, yeah. And and do yourself a favor, maybe put in, what is it, EX2Fun or two ex to match spec or whatever, where you write the function that changes it to a match spec because match specs are how recon checks arguments and stuff. And you can do it with like the function that returns okay and, and you can do it with guard clauses and stuff like that. But sometimes being able to actually use the match spec is good. But 
then it's like writing Lisp and kind of a crazy syntax to get used to. It's like a whole language. Have you used match specs? No, I actually say more about what you're the tool you're talking about because yeah. I'm curious and I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't know what you're what you're talking about <laughs> right now. So, so match specs are built into Elixir itself, and and I you build a program that is fast and interpreting, almost like I guess this is controversial for some people to call it a program, but like a a regular expression is a little program. And so you're doing the same thing. You're building a little program, and it's kind of like a regular expression, but you can do really complex things in it. Um, it's got its own grammar and everything that they outline in the documentation for match specs. But in Recon, you know, you have that um, module function arguments um, tuple that you pass into Recon trace calls, and you can do things like I want only things that have two arguments. Or you can pass in a function and give it some guard clauses. But that third part of the arguments, you can also pass in a match spec. And the match spec is, it's a tuple with three elements inside of it. They are all lists. The first one is the arguments to the function. And you can do some basic pattern matching in that, I believe. I'm trying to think through this. The... Second one is some like major matching. So you can do things like say, okay, this argument and that argument, if they're subtracted and divided, and this is the part that looks like Lisp, like you do. So in the first one, you can match out arguments and you you assign them fantastic variable names like dollar sign one, dollar sign two, just like a regular expression. I don't think that there's a way to name them. I think that's all you get is these dollar sign arguments. But then you can say. The second one is tuples of tuples of tuples of tuples. This is the piece that's like Lisp. So the first argument is like a function. So you say subtract. And then the second one might be dollar sign one, dollar sign two. And that's going to be dollar sign one minus dollar sign two. But then you can nest these and, and build really complex things. And then the third list is a list of actions that you can give it. So you can say like, give me the return value of that function is one of the things that you can do. And I just blinked out recon, right? So you can say, give me a return value, but there's other things that you can do as actions based on what you got on those first two. So if you match the match spec, then I'll trace it. And then I produce these actions I can do. And so it's, it's really powerful. And it's one of those things that's, it's like Perl where it's better written than red, uh, <laughs> until you get really used to it. Um, mm -hmm. And then EX2, I think it's FMS. Let me look. I have it in a project that I have open right now, and I can just tell you what it is. This is great radio. Everybody hold on. Yeah, uh, let me e look this e up real quick. Yeah, EX2MS. <laughs> and I can't remember who made that. I should know. I think it's somebody from the core team. But, but it takes a function, like an anonymous function, except for instead of FN, it's a macro FUN and it produces a match spec out of it. Um, so go do something really complex with that and let it produce a match spec for you, and then you get to look at a match spec and be like, oh, yeah, now I know why I didn't <laughs> want to have to write that because it's just way faster to do it with function. There are some limitations to EX2MS, though. So here you go. Neat. There's my... That is a, that is a useful tip. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Word, that's two of them. <laughs> that's two tips. We are way ahead of schedule here. Um, we are overachieving here. <laughs> those have been my tools of choice. And I think today I'm actually trying to chase down a memory issue later today with some friends there 
they have an app that when it gets pummeled really hard, it has a spike in memory, which maybe, yeah, maybe you do, maybe you don't. You might be able to find a way around that. But then after it stops, it never seems to go all the way back down. So we got to figure out where that's happening and what's going on. The, at first, so there's the compressed true in Phoenix, compressed false. I don't know if anybody's been following that, but if you have compressed true on, there's a memory leak. And so they turned that off and saw memory go down, and that's been helpful. But uh, yeah, I believe there's, I think it was a memory leak in the compressed true. I don't know. It could just be that it uses a lot of memory. I don't quite remember. But check that out on your app if you have some memory issues. I know that I think Jose wrote something about it not that long ago. There's an issue or something somewhere. I wish you could hear eyebrows being raised as you said that. Yeah. <laughs> Memory leak. <laughs> I thought you meant mine because I raise my eyebrows a lot when I talk, apparently. Somebody told me that not that long ago. With the reaction of your yeah. crowd here. <laughs> oh, so you got any good plans coming up soon? Work-wise or home-wise? Nobody. You guys have boring lives. That's what I just learned. This Make something up. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone did all their talks last year, so I don't know what we're doing this year. <laughs> Anybody have conference plans? I just got rejected from my first conference of the year. Congratulations. I know. Yes. Thank you. What conference? I submit. I sent a CFP to Gig City Elixir. Oh, yeah. And they said, thank you, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna follow this up. I'm speaking at Gig City Elixir. <laughs> <laughs> you got my slot. Uh, You're on, on the on the committee or the panel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I mean, if you want to send me your idea, maybe mm -hmm. somebody can still give your talk. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <A proxy. laughs> you just submitted a blank uh, proposal, yeah. like. Title TBD. I, I don't know what Amos. I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so we'll see. I spoke there before and they asked me if I would come back. And I said, sure. Now I got to figure out something to talk about. I'm excited though. <laughs> and somebody texted me right before we started this and was like, hey, are you going to Gig City Elixir? Let's split an Airbnb. I was like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> so that seems to be the talk. Stephanie, are you going to go to Gig City? It's really close to you. I might, yeah. It is like an hour and a half away. So we'll see. We'll see about that one or depending on where Elixir Conf is this year. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. Did anybody see the thing that was snuck into the background of the last slide at Elixir Conf? Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember. I don't Stephanie remember seeing it, it either. <laughs> <laughs> what is it, Stephanie? Since, it was Orlando, remember. right? It was like yeah, it, well, it was Mickey Mouse, right? Yeah. There was a Mickey Mouse on the slide, but yeah. um, I don't know if that's actually what's happening or if yeah. that was just a reference back to the old Orlando. That was the original plan for, what, 2020? I think so, yeah. I think Orlando yeah. was original, yeah. Maybe. So We've got we'll a couple see. people in Florida. You do, yeah. I like Disney World. I got I want to go to the new Star Wars park. I'd like to go in that Star Wars starship thing. Have you guys seen that? Mm -mm. it's wild so it's like a hotel I'm like I will never go there because I'm not going to pay for it but it's like you are part of Star Wars and you go to this hotel which is a starship 
and you fly around and like there's story going on around you and you can have an effect on the story somehow and it's different every day and you go stay for three days and it's supposed to be like immersive like that, like you live like you're in Star Wars for three days. I was like, that's really cool. I will never pay for it, but it's really cool. Too much. (laughs) (laughs) That is too much Star Wars. It just depends on which movie you're stuck in on whether it's too much or just the right amount. I was with you for three days. Yeah. <laughs> three days was too much. Maybe one. <laughs> three days and two nights? No. <laughs> I'm just afraid of what the food would look like because there's all kinds of weird food in Star Wars that mm, not real sure I want to have my plate look like that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anything else that uh, you all want to share before I got to get out of here soon? To go on a lunch date with my wife. Yay. We never get to do that. So I promised. (laughs) Anybody? Anybody? Anything? Thank you. Thank you all for coming. Christian, Stephanie, Angel, thank you. Appreciate it. Um, It's always nice to hear from other people doing Elixir at different companies and, and spreading that word a little bit. So thank you all. Is there... Any uh, any work business, hiring, anything like that going on that you want to announce? It's, nope. We're always interested in more Elixir folks, so yeah. Always hiring. Our slash careers or just reach out. Very cool. Thank you. Thank you all for coming today. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.